This is called the, and what you'll notice in the Beatitudes, or excuse me, the, uh, that five, six, and seven, it was called the Sermon on the Mount. So there was a Sermon on the Mountain, yes. right, outside of Galilee. And then what happens is here, he is on a different mountain. Remember the seven mountains? This is the Mountain of Olivet, or the Mountain of Olives. And what this is all about is when the disciples ask Jesus, when is the end time coming? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast designed to help you learn how to study the Bible for yourself by showing you how to look into the historical, philosophical, and cultural background in which it was written. In doing so, you're going to learn how to think for yourself, discern truth from deception, reality from fantasy, and true joy from simple pleasures. Mm -hmm. All of this is only possible because we are here with you on your journey each and every single day day with the salty pastor podcast um you're able to listen to the old episodes and we're coming out twice a week each and every week with new episodes my name is jesse Mayer. i'll be your host but we cannot do this without the one the only dr douglas peak welcome everybody it's so good to be with you all i'm just enjoying um what we're doing and as as you can see if you've been watching this salty pastor on our youtube channel most people listen to it through podcasting but if you do watch you know people are like man you went from this big giant squirrel tail you know to <laughs> and i go what you have to realize is some of those were pre-recorded yes and jesse hates when i let the cat out of the bag so to speak i think everybody secretly knows, knows that okay <laughs> we we got to give we got to give pastor doug some time off and the only way to make sure we keep giving out <laughs> podcasts on a consistent schedule is we pre-record some of them it's nothing new in the industry but yes yes so i do a little bit but anyway so it was a six-week process you know of growing and then getting it quaffed and everything but i'm good so it's good to be here i'm so glad and we're getting towards the end of our series and i'm very excited about we it. are getting towards the end of our series we're we're gearing up for our next one which we're really excited about but uh we do have a few more parables but we just with the amount of time we've spent on yeah. this already we're still not going to hit every single parable yeah, where right. we are going to miss a couple um but it's important to check them out if you haven't ever read them before or if you want to kind of finish up this series on your own um the parable of the fig tree um that's right before he goes into jerusalem right he yeah. curses mm -hmm. the fig tree uh parable of a servant who abused the other servants mm -hmm. the parable of the two sons those are just a few um so again jesus told a lot of, of parables. parables um and we would be able to probably spend a, another month or two if we were going to finish them all out but um we want you to join us in finishing these out on your own time. Yeah. And uh, today's parable, I just want to remind everyone, is from the Gospel of Matthew. It was written to convince the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So it really helps to kind of think of like a Jew in the first century um, to get all of the context of what these parables are yeah. really about. Mm -hmm. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? And also that the... that. Uh, Salty Pastor pointed out that the Matthew's gospel is built around seven mountains. Yeah. Mountains being mountains, very yeah. symbolic in the first century um, Jewish culture, primarily because of Mount Zion, where God gave the Israelites the Mosaic covenant. Mm -hmm. So mountains are a big deal to Jewish people, particularly at this time. Yes. So today is the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. What do we need to know in order to understand how the Jewish people in the first century would have heard this story when it was told? <laughs> Well, that this one is going to be a little bit more uh, 
uh, in depth. And the reason why is because I've been kind of scratching at this just a little bit and, you know, last week, but today we have to go a little bit deeper because to, in order we to understand deeper, <laughs> deeper, in order to understand the parable in chapter 25, you actually need to go to the beginning of this entire discourse So if you go back a whole chapter into chapter 24 of the Gospel of Matthew, what you find is that, you know, like if you have a Bible where they put the words of Jesus in red, Mm. uh, the red starts in chapter 24, and then it doesn't stop until the end of chapter 25. It's a chunk. It's a big chunk, very similar to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, you know, at the very beginning in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is the longest recorded discourse of Jesus in the Mm. Bible, is that one. So Matthew uh, put that together. And then what he does now is this is called the, and what you'll notice in the Beatitudes, or excuse me, uh, that 5, 6, and 7, it was called the Sermon on the Mount. So there was a Sermon on the Mountain. Yes. right outside of Galilee. And then what happens is here, he is on a different mountain. Remember the seven mountains? This is the mountain of Olivet or the mountain of olives. And what this is all about is when the disciples ask Jesus, when is the end time coming? And if you'll notice in chapter 24, verse three, it says, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. So it's kind of a private discussion and say, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age. And then he goes on. Uh, if you drop down to verse 15, he says something really interesting and he says, okay, it's going to happen. This is what the end of the age is. And he goes, verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation. So now what he's doing is he's quoting and he's quoting directly from Daniel, the prophet. Okay. Okay. So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes destruction. So this is the beast right? Yes. He says, he goes spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. So Jesus says in chapter 24, what the parable of, you know, you know, he goes on right there, the parable of the fig tree, the parable of the 10 virgins, the parable of the sheep and the goats, which is what we're going to do today. And the parable of the talents. So it's all in the context of this discourse on the uh, Mount of Olives. So it's really interesting. And it's all about the end times when it comes again. And he says, when you hear this, and he quotes from Daniel, the reader needs to understand. So my question is, okay, well, what do they need to understand? <laughs> what, what is it they're thinking? Right. What are, what are they looking for? Yeah. So, cause like if, if you, for instance, here's an illustration. If you were down in Africa somewhere, you're over in the middle East or whatever, and you, you say to someone, hey, why aren't people allowed to carry weapons? You know, what about the Second Amendment? And those people are going to look at you and go, what are you talking about? What's the Second Amendment? We have no idea what that is. Right. Well, here in America, we know what it is all the time, right? Yes. Well, when you quoted Daniel to Jewish people in the first century, they knew exactly what you were talking about. Yes. There was no question. But we, 2,000 years removed, we have no idea. So let me explain it. Is it comes from Daniel chapter seven, verse 11 is Daniel had a bunch of prophetic utterances. And what's interesting and why it was so important to the Jewish people is because his prophetic visions that he recorded talked about all the nations 
that the nation of Israel would have to contend with until the end of time. Okay. Right. When the Messiah comes back. And so that is their, so they study Daniel like no tomorrow to try to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. And in chapter seven, verse 11, he says this, he's recording his vision. Daniel says, then I kept looking because of the sound of the boastful words, which the horn was speaking. So he has vision and there's this horn, like the beast. And, uh, last week we blew the shofar, right? And what is a shofar? It's a horn, but what's it made from? A ram's horn. It's made from a beast's horn. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of, that is an interchangeable word in our language, but they have like the capital B beast referred to in end times, but then, you know, beasts of burden or, or, or animals were referred to as beasts pretty regularly throughout scripture. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting about that, uh, is that beasts are not human beings. Humans are sentient beasts aren't, but human beings can act like beasts. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. You yes. know, so, and that's what the point of sin is. And cause listen to what he says. He goes, I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body was destroyed and given to the burning fire. So the beast is destroyed and thrown in the fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away and an extension of life was granted to them for an appointed period of time. I kept looking in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. Okay, now what did Jesus call himself? Now the the people of Israel called him the Messiah, but Jesus almost never called himself the Messiah. He always called himself what? The, the son, son of, of man. man. Yes. So he got that reference from this passage. This is why he called himself the son of man. Cause listen to this. I kept looking in the night visions and behold on with the clouds of heaven. One like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days, meaning God, and was presented before him and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the people's nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Okay. Which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which can never be destroyed. So do you see the imagery here? So when Jesus says, I'm the son of man. This is what he's referring to. And what are all the parables parables describing? They always start with what phrase? The kingdom of heaven is like. Yeah. So the kingdom of God. And what does it say here? That the son of man will come and he will have dominion. He will have glory and he will have what? A kingdom. So he's talking about the kingdom. Daniel was prophesying about Jesus, the son of man, coming. Now, why is this so important in this prophetic vision that the Jews were so aware of before Jesus tells this parable, right? Is because if you go back to Genesis chapter three, when Adam and Eve were ejected out of the garden. Okay. So they ate of the apple. They were deceived. They were deceived. We translate the word what by a serpent or a beast. Yes. Okay. So they were deceived by the lower form. Okay. The beastliness of the creation instead of being created in being the image created. of God. Yes. And what happens is when they were ejected. Okay. It's really interesting because what happens is he says this 
to the to the beast. He says, because you have done this, this is verse 14 of chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, because you've done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you will go, and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Now listen to this fascinating thing that God says. And he will put enmity, or I will put enmity between you and the woman. So now, you know, as uh, William Lane Craig says, is this is a, a mytho-historical thing. And so there's an imagery here that he's getting at that when Moses recorded this and the, the thing, and that is, is that there is enmity between us and now our beastly nature, which is sin. Okay. okay? So what he says is that, he says, and between your seed and her seed, look at this. He says, but he, meaning the seed of the woman, will bruise your head, will bruise you on the head. However, you will bruise him on the heel. Okay. Moses had no idea what he was talking about when he wrote this. So he was just writing it. Right. But what happened is Daniel picks up on this, right? And then, of course, Jesus talks about this as well. And because this is the whole notion is that when Christ died on the cross, you, we saw that as what? Satan saw that as a defeat. But that was only a bruising of his heel. Because what happened is when he died, what did he do? He broke the power of sin and death. He broke the power of the beast. And so what happened is, is this, it's really important to notice that a... Adam and Eve were designed to partner with God in ruling of this reality in which we live. When they invited sin in, God ejected them and that throne was empty. And it wasn't until Christ came, right? The seed of the woman, right? Who was anointed and chosen by God, Christ himself, who was able then to do what? Defeat the beast. See, the only person who was never supposed to die was who? Jesus, because the wages of sin are what? Death. Death. And so if there is no sin, then there is no wage or punishment to be paid. That's why Jesus' sacrifice was able to take all of our sins upon him, because he was a pure lamb. Okay. No other human being was. So you're tracking all this? Yes. Okay. So it's really so, fascinating. The seed of the woman, which is a man, and then Daniel says, the son of man is given dominion and is given a kingdom, and he is set on that throne that's remained empty. So, and this, this so just to make sure I understand it, because there might be other people who are maybe confused, but. You're basically saying Daniel goes and 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 gives us some prophecy back yes. in in his book, and he's saying, "Hey, the the beast was slain. You're going to um, the Son of Man is coming, and he's going to be raised up, basically, yes. right?" But this even goes further back to Eden when yes, when Adam and Eve were ejected, there was a a basically a promise that God said that said you know, at some point there is going to be someone who's going to sit on the throne that I wanted you guys to do. And originally, yes, and it will be your seed. And that son of man will crush the serpent, which yeah. can is be the, beast, the beast figuratively in all of us. It's the beast of sin because right. what does Cain immediately go out and do? He goes and sins. Yeah. He kills. He kills his, and yeah. And, and what does God say to, to him? He says, you know, 
sin, the beast, is crouching at your doors. What, why would you say crouching? Because that gives you the idea of a lion that's ready to right. eat you, right? Yes. It's crouching. Yes. He says, but you can defeat him. Of course, they don't. Right. Right. And then what happens is they he goes off, he builds this town, right? And then it grows into a group of beastly people. And that city became known as the city of Babylon, Babylon. where the Which, Tower of Babel was built. And then now Daniel, you know, thousands of years later is in captivity in what city? Babylon. Babylon having this vision. Okay. And so guess who knows all this? Guess who lives and breathes this? Every Jewish person. Every Jewish person in the New Testament, right? They're talking about, to us, it's like talking about the 4th of July and signing the Declaration of Independence. Right. To them, what I just shared with you is something that they know from five years old, and they talk about and debate all the time. And then notice what Jesus says in verse 31 to start this parable. When the Son of Man comes, what does that invoke? All of this. All of this. Everything you've just been talking about. Everything yeah. you gave us was basically context for why this first line of this parable matters. Right? And, and so when they heard this, the hairs on the back of their head stand up. You know what I'm saying? It yeah. has all this emotion and feeling and as well as conviction and worldview all wrapped up into it. Well, and I mean, it, it could be like you quote any you know, any president has some phrase, right? Right. That then is associated with an event in their presidency. And so it's like, whether it's, uh, you know, ask not what you can, yes, your, your country that, can do for you or, or what you can do for you your know, country. Any number of other yeah. ones, right? Like there's something that if you lived through that time or you studied that time, you immediately get all of these things, right? It, right. it invokes an immediate emotion. And, and that would be the closest analogy probably that I could give off the top of my head to what these guys are hearing. When he pulls out that quote, there's suddenly a, yeah. well, what's he going to say now? Right. <laughs> like, and what do we do is when we say, you know, like any problem that we're trying to fix, we always say all men are created equal. equal. Yes. And that just carries a huge weight with it. Yes. Whatever we say that. Yes. So he starts this off with when the son of man comes in his glory, it's, we've gotten all this background. It's obviously necessary for us to have gotten all of that. You know, yeah. we're almost halfway through the podcast, just <laughs> in the preamble context of understanding why that matters. Mm -hmm. But that's so important because we're not like every other podcast. Your our goal is to give you that context. You have yes. to understand this. Otherwise it's just a word in the Bible or a sentence in the Bible that is like, yeah, it, it makes and no you difference. miss the the meaning and the depth of it. Yeah. So talk to me about what they would be thinking when they heard that opening mm -hmm. line and where Jesus is going next with it. Well, I mean, and what we're doing is we're illustrating why listening to Salty Pastor is important because it's the principle that context is everything, right? Right. And so when you go out, you know, if you're a Salty Pastor listener, when you go out and you're looking and you're trying to think or someone is trying to get you to buy into something or convince you of a truth, you have to ask yourself, okay, context is everything. What does it really mean? And so you develop that critical thinking skill. Right. Well, let me, let me just read this um, uh, and go on and say, when he actually says, so the Son of Man is coming, verse 32, then he says this, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Now, I grew up, I always thought sheep were good and goats were bad, right? But Jews did think this way. Goats were acceptable sacrifices. They were often given. There was a, a whole issue for every village around 
um, the scapegoat sacrifice. There was Jews had goats and sheep in, in their herds, and they would all graze together, right? Right. They'd all be in there. Um, and so shepherds oftentimes, for various reasons, would have to separate the goats and the sheep. Well, like for shearing, for instance, you don't shear goats, you shear sheep, sheep right? right. Uh, for milking. You can milk a goat, but you can't really milk a sheep, right? Yeah. And so it's kind of that kind of that thing. Now, I mean, you can't you know, sheep do have milk and so forth, but I won't get into all of that animal <laughs> husbandry. So the question then became, what is the difference between a sheep and a goat? And I think instead of saying that sheep are good and goats are bad, what Jesus is just pointing out right off the bat is that there's a difference between a sheep and a goat in their nature. They're just different. Yes. Okay. Then verse 34. So the king will say to, to those on his right, come you who are blessed of my father. Okay, now if we go back to Daniel, remember, what does it say in Daniel? It says, the ancient of days will give the son of man his kingdom, and he will have dominion, and his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. And so now he says, the, he will say, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, the ancient of days, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So when does this kingdom exist with a throne in it was in the garden of Eden before the fall and Adam and Eve were supposed to be there, but they're not. And so now Jesus comes to do what? Restore us back into the kingdom. Right. And so we're in the great in between right now. Yes. For that. So ultimately, though, this will, he says, when I was hungry and you gave me something to eat, I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick. You visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did it to the one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Hmm, isn't that mm. interesting? Verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed one, to the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, what did they say about the beast in Daniel? Is that it says the beast was defeated and then what? Burned in the fire. fire. Yep. You see all the imagery that's going back and forth yes. and why it's such a big deal to know what Daniel said in order to understand the power of this this parable. He goes on, he goes, when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me. And I was naked. You did not clothe me sick and in prison. You did not visit me. Then they themselves will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger, naked, sick, or in prison and not take care of you? And then he will answer them. Truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away in eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. So Jesus is using basically the difference between the sheeps and the goat to show how there will be a reckoning on the earth. Yes. At some point, right? Judgment. Judgment. What are some of the biblical principles from this parable that we, we can use to be certain about the world in which we live in? Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know if I asked that question super well, but... Well, I think the thing is, is that the biblical principles that we can pull out is that number one, there is going to be a judgment. 
You know, right. everybody has to give an account for their life, you know, how they live. We, we're all dealt a different set of cards, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I think that's understandable and God is just and, and judges according to that. But then we are held accountable for how we chose to play the cards we were dealt. Okay. Okay. Number two is notice that goats and sheep are separated based on what they did or not do. Okay. Which is odd if salvation is by grace alone. Okay. So could it be possible that salvation is by faith and not ceremonial works of the law? Isn't that the point of we are saved by grace through faith and not works Right in Romans? It's the difference between ceremonial law, religion, right? Versus a relationship with God. However, modern day reformers have gone overboard like most reform movements do and they've redefined faith today to mean nothing but an intellectual assent. It's like, well, I think that, so then I'm okay. I could go do and live however I want, right? right? But isn't biblical faith a life-changing faith? There is a clear cause and effect process happening. James said this, even so, if faith has no works, it's dead being by itself. So what James is saying is that, well, authentic faith, you know, changes you from a thistle bush into an apple tree. And what do apple trees do? Produce fruit. They produce apples. And if, if you think you're an apple tree and there's no apples and only thistles, then maybe you need to think about that. Right. (laughs) kind of a thing. So the implication is clear. Your faith produces something within you and what it produces tells you about the authenticity of your own faith. I mean, it kind of reminds me of Paul's words in Ephesians 2, 8 for by grace, you have been saved through faith. It is God's grace that saves us, but it comes through our faith. So there's, there's really a connection there, right? So yeah, we're saved by grace. So God is the one who institutes and makes all this happen, makes it possible, you know, it's unmerited favor from God. You know, why does God do this? Well, the only answer we can come up with is because he loves us, right. right? He values us, but there's nothing we do to deserve it or warrant it or instigate it. But on the other hand, it comes through faith. So there's something that happens when I am redeemed. You know, Paul says you were brought from death to life. Mm-hmm. And he says in Corinthians, second Corinthians five, you're an old is gone. The new has come. You're a brand new creation right? We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Now we're made alive with Christ. We were aliens. Now we're citizens. We were illegitimate. Now we're adopted children. I mean, the imagery just goes on and on and on about what happens to us through our faith. And so that's why I think the most important point to articulate here is that we have to understand the connection is that the sheep and the goats were both surprised. Right? Right. In the story, they were both surprised. The sheep said, well, when did we do that? And then the goat said, well, when did we not do that? Right. So they were both surprised. So what do we, what does that tell us? Well, since they did not know that the least of these, my brethren, were Jesus, who's projected as Lord and King in all of his glory, the implication is clear is that Jesus used the example of sheep and goats because it is an observation of your nature. You see, the sheep ministered to those in need because that's just their nature. That's what they do. 
And the sheep didn't do it because they perceived that there was some reward, right? And notice the phraseology Jesus uses with the goats. They said, when did we see you naked or clothed or in prison or sick, right? In other words, it gives you this flavor that, well, if we would have known it was due, we would have done it. But, you know, that guy over there, he's not you, so why should I care? Right. And what Jesus is getting at here is it's about your nature. You see, whether you know it or not, it's a parable about your redeemed nature. It is not a parable about how Jesus is wanting to come back and, and um, uh, dish out judgment or punishment on everyone who, you know, that's just missing the point of what he's saying. This is not how a first century person would hear this story as I gave you all this. What they would hear is that the Son of Man is coming. I'm supposed to be a part of this kingdom. And it's my very nature, right? that must be changed? And is my, is my nature been redeemed? Am I now, am I a sheep or am I a goat? Mm. So from this point forward, see, Matthew is saying to everybody is you can have the nature of the son of man and be part of this invitation into the kingdom. Or Jesus is saying you can remain a goat, right? And that is you can say to yourself, well, I'm following the rules. And if I know who I'm supposed to honor, I'll honor those people. And Jesus, Jesus is saying through this parable, that's not kingdom values, right? right? That's not the very nature. So uh, what, what, what I think what we really need to grab onto here is this, is you need to be able to look at your own life and ask the question, have I been redeemed? And is my nature that of a sheep or a goat? That's really, I think, the point mm. of the parable. I mean, the principle of salvation really is a change in our nature, right? We're yes. turning away from our old lives, our old actions, our old habits, our old values to follow what Jesus has for us, right? Mm -hmm. And like you pointed out at the beginning of the podcast, our new nature will conquer that beast, serpent, mm -hmm. whatever of sin within us, mm -hmm. and he will be triumphant over that, right? Yeah, we that's how we're free. That's, that's what real freedom is, is we are no longer bound by the law of sin and death. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't continue to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that that nature is there. That's why Paul says to Ephesians and the Colossians, hey, you need to take off the old. And put on the new. And put on the new. And we talked a little bit about that last week about the dress, right? right. So you see this imagery all the time. Take it off, put it on, take it off, put it on. So I think here's one of the primary implications from a biblical perspective about this parable. And it's one of the core values of our church, right? And we say this a lot. And why the Salty Pastor crew is a little bit different. And that is, I do not need the people at Foothills to produce fruit in their own lives, right? I, I, it's not something that benefits me in any way, shape, mm. or form. Um, the church doesn't need people who are part of Foothills or people who are part of this listening on us. Maybe you're out of state. You're not a part of Foothills, but you listen to the salty pastor, you know, whatever church you're a part of doesn't need you to produce fruit in your life with your faith. The, the church doesn't need that. Uh, what, what the point of this parable is you need to produce fruit in line with your faith because it is the fruit in your life that proves to yourself that you have a new nature. See, that, that's why we say we're, we're not here to tell you what to think or believe or whatever. We're not saying put this fruit in your life and you're fine. 
Because this parable cuts to the very core value that we say all the time. We're not here to tell you what to think and what music to listen to and what clothes to wear and what stuff to eat and all that kind of stuff. That's just religion. You've got to know Jesus and be redeemed, and then your life will produce fruit. You know, look for it. Maybe when you first start off, it's pretty small. (laughs) Right. You know, but it's there. It is in the producing fruit in line with your faith that shows you that you're growing to maturity. Because it shows you're in alignment. You're coming into an alignment with God. And that, my friends, is where confidence in life comes from. It comes from alignment. Confidence is not believing you can do anything. Confidence is not saying affirmations each day of, I'm a really great person. I deserve happiness. That's not it. You know where confidence comes from? It comes from being in alignment with living your true, authentic nature, who Christ has created you to be. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Thank you, Pastor, for uh, giving us a lot of context and a lot to think about. I think this is one of the most complicated ones we've gone over as far as the parables, as far as understanding. So my encouragement would be for all of you to reread this several times before Sunday. <laughs> yes. But um, I think just repetition and really reading through it, understanding those segments of Daniel and what came before in Genesis, I think is going to help you get a better understanding on it, but I would reread it because there's a lot of words and a lot of prophecy and a lot of references going on here that I think reading it with your eyes and not just hearing us read it Mm -hmm. to you will give you a lot more context of some of the nuance. So I encourage you guys to do that um, before Thursday, if you can, and especially before Sunday. And we will see you on Thursday as Pastor Doug will unveil some real world context for the modern day of why this matters today in our lives. So until then, thank you so much. And we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings.